Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Green tea, actually. I had a couple of lattes, and now I'm on to green tea because I am moving a little slowly today. I'm afraid I'm officially sick. Alas for that. I'm not super sick, just enough to put me off my stride. Um, persistent headache, which I don't normally get. Um, I always feel bad for people who really struggle with headaches when I have one because I don't know how anybody gets anything done when you feel like this. Um, today is Tuesday, November 12th. I hope you all are uh, trotting along, those of you doing NaNoWriMo, or those of you who are not just trying to lead your daily lives, laying down a few more bricks in whatever it is you are attempting to accomplish. I want to say the fate of the Tala is going well, and I guess it is. I'm just shy of 70,000 words here, even with the not feeling good delays. And I keep waffling on whether this book is brilliant or awful. <laughs> Why is there never an in-between? I don't know. That's, um, it seems to be the nature of the beast, that very rarely am I writing a book where I think, well, it's okay. <laughs> it's either really good or really awful. Uh, depending on the day, so I think it's I think it's probably good, but then every once in a while I start thinking, oh, it's just a hot mess, is what it is. So I keep thinking I'm going to have to revise extensively, which I don't normally have to do. And then I think, well, just keep writing. So this is the the panster angst. Um, which I think a lot of people who are attempting to learn to pre-plot or to outline are doing to avoid because there is a thing where, you know, I'm right now at the Act 2 climax. I know that I am, and I'm still not sure how everything's going to play out from here and how it's going to wind up. And there is a great temptation to try to control it at this point, to back out and plot and figure out what's going on. And instead, I am really having to make myself focus on the keeping going. Trust that the story will unfold itself. It's a funny noise outside. I don't know what that is. I nearly got a beautiful picture of the moon set this morning. But then I, I'm thinking of this because I just about tripped over my camera on the tripod. But um, alas... I was not quite fast enough. I thought I had another minute or two to get out there, and there was a mountain in the way. Goddamn mountains. Um, it was really perfect because it was right at dawn, too. I'll try again tomorrow, but with the moon rising an hour later every day and setting an hour later every day, the light might not be right. If it's too dark... Otherwise, the moon just ends up looking like a hole <laughs> in the image, you know. But um, I might try to get the moon rise tonight. I was going to try to get it last night, but boy, it was cold. It was um, 12 degrees with wind chill. There was a really sharp biting wind, and I just couldn't quite make myself go out there and get it. I took one through the window. We'll see how it looks. So... Plugging along on fate. It'll get done. It'll get done. And we'll see what it is once I finish writing. That's the other piece. Um, I think for anybody drafting, I've been seeing some people posting stuff about, you know, writing their books. And 
I think even if you have outlined and pre-plotted, you inevitably hit these moments where you just worry about whether it's going to be good. And the thing is, is in drafting, you can't worry about that. You have to have faith. You have to trust. I was thinking about that. I saw something else this morning. I'm not sure what made me think of it, but I was thinking about that line. I don't know. Is that Paul? It's always used in wedding ceremonies, you know, faith, hope, and love, or faith, hope, and charity, and of these, the greatest is love or charity, depending on your translation. But I was thinking, very often, I think having faith is is the greatest, or maybe it's not fair to pick the greatest between faith, hope, and love, because those are all such critical states of mind with which to approach the universe or to approach any project. Um, you have to have that feeling of love. And I think that part of the reason it's sometimes translated as love versus charity is the difference between, it, it's that, it's the selfless love. It's the giving without expecting anything in return. I think that's one reason why I really believe in the Catholic idea that the only true charity is anonymous charity. Because if you're giving charity openly, if you're telling people, you know, buy this book and I'll give 10% to something or another, I know that comes from a place of generosity, but it's not to me not true charity because you are you're doing it for other reasons than besides the complete unselfless impulse to give. And we often talk about unconditional love in the same way, where you simply love without restriction or condition. And I think faith and hope have to be the same way. It's that embracing a project or or anything with, with conviction, with faith that it will work out and hope that it will be all that you want it to be. And and again, that selfless love that you're giving something to the world. There are some unexpected philosophies so early in the day. Well, not early. <laughs> so then let's see. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and, and really it does dovetail here. It's an unexpected seg- segue because I didn't mean to necessarily go off on that tangent. But it turns out it's not a tangent after all. I should have had faith in what I was doing. So I've touched on this briefly, but one of the downsides of NaNoWriMo and one of the downsides of writing in a community in any way is that competition is really a toxin. I think competition is the antithesis of all that faith, hope, and love embody. Competition is comparing yourself to someone else. And it's wanting to rank something. And right now we live in a culture of remorseless ranking and reviewing and evaluating and 
the internet really drives this, right? You know, all of the algorithms, that's what they're set up to do is to rank things. And, you know, I can't believe how often I'm asked to rank or rate things. You know, and of course, Amazon lives entirely by this. You know, and when you think back to the days, the pre-internet days, for those of us old enough to remember that, you know, it was really a very different view of the world. And I think the internet's brought some really wonderful things to the world. But, you know, there was a time when, you know, you bought things and, yeah, you couldn't do anything, couldn't really complain to anybody if it didn't work out. But also there was not this pressure to rate and review everything. And I think that this has really led to us looking at the world in terms of how many stars does it have, which then comes around to how many stars do I personally have? (laughs) How do I rate and rank in the world? And the problem is, is that's comparing yourself to somebody else, which is always going to be fundamentally and essentially flawed. Because on a very real and profound and non-Amazon retail site level, each one of us is truly a unique human being. And we are all on our own paths in life. And we don't know what that path is supposed to be. We're all trying to figure it out. But, you know, maybe trying to become a better person than we were the day before is a decent measure. I saw that meme going around from the last episode of The Good Place, which I, you know, I think that there's a lot of merit to that. It's we're just trying to to grow, to become better, especially since there is no way to really define what is good or best. And the person whose career you may envy, they may have a shitty personal life or they might not have great health. Or somebody who seems to have the perfect home life, they might not have something else that that they crave. Or maybe somebody does really have everything. And it still doesn't matter because it doesn't have anything to do with, with us. And that's one reason why I say often that my personal motto is keep your eyes on your own work. Um, doing what you want to do and doing it to the best of your ability and trying to do it better than the day you did before. All of that is the most important thing. If you compare yourself to someone else on any level at all, it takes you out of that kind of selfless embrace of yourself. It takes you out of the Tao because the Tao is not competitive, right? The Tao is the big river that flows. And all things are, you know, depending on your religion, you know, all things are equal under the eyes of God. Um, In so much as you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. You can find examples of this philosophy in, in every religion or philosophy, or sorry, that was repetitive, but philosophical line of thought, right? That, that there is nothing that is more important than anything else. And there's been a conversation on the sci-fi fantasy Twitter the last few days about 
you know, people feeling like, well, Mary Robinette Kowal mentioned it. I saw her say something. I don't know if she got it started off, but she had said that, you know, she really noticed when people treated her like nothing until they found out who she was, and then all of a sudden were flattering. And Nava Wolf, um, Hugo Award-winning editor, said that actually she loved when that happened because then she knew which people only evaluated other people depending on how important they were. Because Nava is a very petite, youthful-looking woman. And I'm sure, you know, she got dismissed a lot until people figured out who she was and then they would flip. And, and I understand that frustration there. But there's a lot of tail sniffing that goes on in, I'm, I'm sure in everything, in everything we do, but I really have always noticed it in the writing world, you know, that people are like, oh, well, what do you write? Who are you? Allow me to place you in my mental author ranking of who is the most important and most influential authors. And maybe it's a case of the fights are so fierce because the stakes are so low. Um, it might be because there's so much ego to do with writing in weird ways. But that's the thing, is that competition is about ego. And the creative self is not. So when you bring the ego into something, when you bring that sense of competition, it interferes with creative flow. And you can test this on yourself because you can think about how you feel when you see that somebody else says, oh, you know, I'm 12 days into NaNoWriMo and I've already written 30,000 words. Or you can see how you feel when you go and you look at somebody else's book deal or uh, the ratings that someone else got on Amazon versus yours. You know, and all of this is so transparent now. But it's also transparent in a way that is beyond our control. I think it's good for writers to talk about money so that people know what the real stakes are, know what people are really making. Because, you know, like I recall with the WikiLeaks, you know, when it turned out that Gillian Anderson was paid so much less, they tried to pay her so much less than David Duchovny for the X-Files reboot. And it's um, it's a way of bringing justice back to have that kind of transparency. But at the same time, it's it's distracting. It's do, did it really change anything about how Gillian Anderson? Actually, I think it's Gillian, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, the way that she approached acting and doing the best, her job in the best possible way. And I think, so what I'm getting at is that those things can be important, but it belongs to a different world than the creative world. And I think that any time you start comparing yourself to anyone else, it brings the ego to the front and diminishes the creative self because you're devaluing what the creative self brings, which is something that is essentially non-quantifiable, right? 
So I think that, you know, we can come back around to that faith, hope, and love. And maybe it doesn't matter what the greatest of these is. But you'll notice that competition isn't in there. <laughs> or, um, you know, whatever your ranking is. And the thing is, is, is that the, the people who are really caught up in competition, who are really competitive, and who put a great deal of store in, like, how many words they've written, or what their author ranking is, or where they are on the Kindle charts, or blah, 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 blah. The people who are really involved in that are forever going to try to draw you into their circle. And I remember very clearly when I was a bright-eyed pre-med student (laughs) going to college, and like those first few weeks, everybody there was tail sniffing. And I gained a reputation early on for being super smart. And this was at a school for really super smart people. And it was, I don't know, there was this one class that was like a survey class. It wasn't even for anything. And I happened to know an obscure, you know, the the teacher was talking about um, RNA transcription and asked if anyone knew like what this enzyme was. And I said reverse transcriptase because I had been taking a genetics class in the evenings in high school. And and they were like, yeah, that's right. And all of a sudden I got this rep for like being super smart. And I was like, no, I just happened to know this one obscure piece of trivia. And after exams, people were relentlessly comparing. They wanted to know. People would come up and ask me what my score was on the exams, and they would want to compare theirs to mine. So the moral there is that, and and I found that soul-killing. In fact, I, I partly ended up leaving pre-med because of that, because I found that competition to be so unsavory, and um, it made me unhappy. And I think that people who put a great deal of ego and self-esteem on where they rank with other people who are very competitive will attempt to draw you into that. And maybe that's part of where I have found solace in Taoism is because it's only about you. (laughs) It's all about trying to be in the flow and trying to do your own thing. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing because fundamentally it doesn't so with that I shall leave you Um, I'm going to try to get some work done I feel like I could I'm actually feeling a little perkier now so I hope you all are feeling perky I hope that you are finding a way to embrace the faith hope and love to do your thing because you want to do it and not because of how you compare to anybody else And I'll let you know that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, a network of people uh, doing podcasts, all doing their own thing, not competing. (laughs) Uh, But you can find them, a whole list of other great romance-themed podcasts at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I hope that you all have a wonderful Tuesday, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.